Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Ah, damn, man. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. That... Was one of those no sleep nights last night. UFC 226 was an absolute thriller. What can you say, man? Daniel Cormier is the heavyweight champion of the world. Fantastic performance against Stipe Miocic. We we talked about this last week about what the path to victory was for Daniel Cormier. I ended up picking Stipe Miocic uh, last week, thinking that you know he goes out there, he finishes fights. We've seen DC get finished before. And it felt like that margin for error for Daniel was going to be very, very small. And the idea that he was going to go into that octagon and in a round's time knock out the longest reigning heavyweight champion in UFC history uh, didn't cross my mind. But that's why I love this sport, man. I love the fact that you could talk about it eight ways, all the different things that could go what you think is going to happen, how you think it's going to happen, why it's going to happen, and something completely different can can go, can can occur. And that's what happened last night. Daniel Cormier walked to that octagon. He, he knocked out one of the baddest men on the planet, walked away with two gold belts, and a chance to fight Brock Lesnar sometime down the line, whenever that may be. It was an awesome moment for him. And... Daniel Cormier has done a lot of searching in his UFC career for acceptance, acceptance from the fans, acceptance from peers, acceptance from the history books, because he's always going to have that asterisk next to his name of what his light heavyweight championship reign was, that it came with the idea that John Jones, you know, couldn't stay active, couldn't stay clean, couldn't stay out of jail, couldn't get his life together. But we, we, it, in those discussions of always trying to put Daniel Cormier down because he's not this, he's not that, he's not John Jones. First of all, we have to realize what we're saying, and that is you're not maybe the greatest person to ever grace that octagon. It's a really high standard to put at somebody. And the rivalry was so heated, the rivalry is... One of the best things this sport has had to offer, the genuine bitterness those guys have towards each other. It's fascinating every time they fight. It's fascinating every time they personally get into it. The backstory has been amazing. But aside from that, you also have to realize how good Daniel Cormier is. And that, yes, John Jones being as great as he is, is a fact. If those guys fight, he'll probably win. 9.5 out of 10 times. But 
Daniel Cormier is still up there as one of the best guys to ever do it. He's an absolute badass. He's an absolute gentleman. And seeing him have that moment separate from John Jones, nothing to do with the light heavyweight title, going back to a place where he was undefeated, going back to a division where he's never lost, never lost, LeVar Ball style. He went in there against a guy in Steve Amiosic who has defended that belt more than anybody has in the promotion's time and knocked him out. If that doesn't solidify the guy as an all-time great, I don't know what else he can do. I think at that point, you're just, you're just blatantly hating. And in the process, you're probably a John Jones stan. I love John Jones. He's the best fighter I've ever seen do it. I don't need to have the discussions about USADA or PEDs or the moralities of it. I know what my eyes saw. The guy's the best to ever do it. But Daniel Cormier, the way he goes in there, the way he fights, I mean, it's always a thriller. There's about one time in the guy's career you could go in there and say Daniel Cormier laid an absolute performance egg. And it was against Anderson Silva on three days' notice, and he was just in there to get a paycheck, and he wasn't looking to get face-kicked into tomorrow. But other than that, the performances against Gustafson, the performances against Anthony Rumble Johnson, one of the scariest men on the planet, the performances in Strike Force against Josh Barnett, Dan Henderson. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you look at his last fight against John Jones, where he did go win a round, where he did go in there and get in John's kitchen and had a much, much better game plan than he did the first time. And he, and he walked into a head kick. It happens. That's the sport. That's the greatness of it. And then yesterday, goes in there, walks through a guy, who's throwing absolute bombs at him, who's bullying him, who's, who looked at a point like, can't really take this guy down. This is, a, this, is a tough, this is a tough go for me. And put a fist right in the dude's face and ended his title reign. It was absolutely awesome. It was one of those nights where it makes you, it reminds you why you like the sport. You like it for those moments. And you, and you know that a guy like Daniel, the reason I like Daniel Cormier and why, why he's so easy to root for, I think, is he doesn't he, he yeah, there's there's times where he could be a little he could be a little cheesy and he puts his own spin on things. But I do like the fact that he respects the conversation and he respects the standing and the legacy talks and all that stuff. I like the fact that he acknowledges that stuff and where it can go and what it can mean and what the what the ramifications are. And he knows, he knows that the John, he doesn't run from it. The only thing that he's ever put out there is, oh yeah, by the way, you know, the the dude may have been juiced when we fought, but it's not like he's not, not running from the fact that he lost. When he got the, when he got the belt put back in his hands, he's like, look, uh, what am I going to do? Turn it down in my contract. I know what championships mean. They mean more money. You know, I, I feel like that's why, as these years have gone on, people have become more, uh, have embraced DC more, have have started to root for him more, and have gone away from that John Jones stuff. But, you know, that performance yesterday, it just has to stand by itself without all the talks of 
Yeah, well, he could never beat John. All right. Yeah, you're right. He couldn't. But he, he just beat a guy. He beat, he beat a guy in Steve Miocic. Did the thing. We've all, as fans, this is the thing with, with DC and with John. As fans, we all sit here and we clamor for John Jones to fight. We clamor for it. I want to see this guy fight. He's, the, he's one of the best I've ever seen do it. But he's not there to show up. He doesn't show up to work enough. And with Daniel, he shows up to work all the time. Always answers the bell. Always is out there performing and entertaining for the fans. And we as fans for a long time have been wanting John Bones Jones to step up, fight heavyweights, because he cleaned out 205. But the dude could never stop doing drugs or PEDs or getting into hit and runs or staying out of trouble that he never got that moment that he should have had last night. You know, he got as close to it, his last win over Daniel Cormier. He got the redemption story. He, he, he built his life back together. He called out Brock Lesnar. And we finally thought John Jones is on his way to superstardom. And another bleep up. However you want to say habit, whether it was, whether it was he was, he was juicing, whether he had a tainted supplement, whether he was, you know, just in the wrong room somewhere and something got in his system. How many strikes does a guy get before you're like, oh, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't believe John Jones in trouble again. Fooled me, fooled me, John. I thought you were going to get it right. And his rival, who he's beaten twice yesterday, did the thing the fans have always been asking John to do, which was go up, not only show that you're the baddest man on the planet, but beat the heavyweight champion of the world, become heavyweight champion of the world. And he did it in spectacular fashion. He did a thing John Jones was never willing nor ever able to stay active enough to do. And so all debates aside between DC, John Jones, don't get it twisted. John Jones is a better fighter than Daniel Cormier. But the better guy, the better, the better fighter for the fans is Daniel, Corm- is Daniel Cormier. He is. He went out. He took up the challenge. Went back to his natural weight. Knocked out Stipe. What else can be said? All this talk about greatest of all time. You want to talk about greatest of all time? Look, in my eyes, I've seen it. I know who's a better fighter. I know John Jones is a better fighter than Daniel is is a better fighter than Daniel Cormier. However, however, you're going to look at this now and say, DC's got something that's completely separate from that rivalry now. And even if John Jones is able to go up one day to heavyweight and win the heavyweight title, been done. Done, been done. Done, been done by your biggest rival. And not only that, not only that, and this is also why it's so sweet, because we know those guys hate each other. We know that it is probably going to be bitter till the very end with those two. We know that they got into a very, very personal back and forth on social media last week. So John may have the status John may have the wins but Daniel Cormier has the accolade 
And not only that, he just took John Jones' biggest paycheck and walked out the door with it. Because last night when Brock Lesnar enters that octagon and he shoves Daniel Cormier halfway across it, tell me you didn't jump out of your seat. I mean, all these phonies yesterday who are on social media is like, oh, I don't like this. This is so WWE. Are the same idiots who brought Mayweather versus McGregor. They're the same people who like all the antics, all the theatrics. You act like you don't. You act like you want the purity of the sport. No, you don't. You want a little sizzle on it. Everybody likes steak, but you like to throw a little extra something on it every once in a while if you have it all the time. All the, all the, all the purists who are out there and are like, oh, I, I, this, is, this is so fake and so forth. So what? That ain't for you? You're going to watch no matter what, dummies. They're not doing that for you. They're doing that for grandma. They're doing that for auntie. They're doing that for the uncle who's never watched it before. Idiots. You're hooked no matter what. You're watching UFC 226. Does that have any theatrics? No. So they don't need to sell you. They need to sell the next pay-per-view. People just don't get that, man. It's so weird to me. They're like, oh, but uh, this isn't the purity of the sport. Yeah, it's not. You want to know why? Because if it was the purity of the sport, it's getting 75,000 pay-per-views, which we've had this year. 120,000 pay-per-views, which we've had this year. And I got to tell you another thing I'm pissed about. These so-called journalists who are like, wasn't Brock supposed to be in the USADA? When's his test up? Huh? So now I'm hoping that we're going to get this fight in November. There's a report last night from Jeremy Botter from Bleacher Report that multiple sources confirm this is going to be the fight at MSG. I'm like, hot damn, let's go. And everybody's like, yeah, but does he have a suspension? He's been gone for three years. Unfreeze the suspension. He's been fighting The Undertaker. That's his suspension. You idiots. Now, now, I, yeah, he's out there fighting Goldberg. It's like, what? Now I got to wait till January for this circus? Giving him more of a window to get caught? Oh, you guys ruined the fun. I swear to God. I, we're, we're, we're all sitting here. We're like, oh, we just got done with one of the worst heavyweight fights of all time. We topped that with one of the coolest heavyweight moments of all time. On top of that, Brock Lesnar just walked into the ring. He shoves Daniel Cormier. They're having a fun back and forth. And we're getting ready to go. This is supposed to happen in some months. And you're just like, oh, man. What about the USADA test? (laughs) You idiots. Really? So now what are we going to do? We're going to sit around here. Just waiting for, for, for Brock Lesnar to screw this up via test. I really was mad at you guys last night. Go search out the people juicing in baseball and keep them out of the Hall of Fame. I'm so tired of this. All these journalists who never see a weight room, they're out there worried about the performance-enhancing drug problems of professional athletes. People are trying to finally tune their bodies to make their bodies as efficient as possible to go fight another man in a cage. And you guys are trying to say, yeah, Brock Lesnar's been gone for three months. He should need another six-month suspension. What? Come on. Waste of my time. Dan- and Dana White was, like, so taken aback. He's like, oh, yeah. I don't know when he was in the USADA pool. And then the idiot says last week. Should have been like, yeah, he's been in the USADA test this whole time, you dummies. 
Mystery Fighter Claws. This USADA sucks. I hate it. Always ruining the fun. Nothing good ever comes out of it. I mean, honestly, like, we're sitting here and it's just like, all right. He has another. For what? I mean, let's be honest. If Brock Lesnar does take all the steroids, the size that he is, does two months make a difference? That much of a difference? What are we talking about here? November to January. Ah, he needs to be clean for another couple months. Ah, come on. Was bum- that bummed me out yesterday. But that was fun. I don't care if it looked hokey in stage. I like, I like theatrics. I like a little extra on my fight stuff. I don't mind it. And you guys do too. You're a bunch of phonies. You love McGregor's bleep talking. You love Chael Sonnen's bleep talking. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson can't say two words. You guys are like, I'm not watching him. Might be the best talent to ever grace the octagon. Maybe better than John Jones. Nobody gives a rat's ass when the mouse fights. But you're mad that Brock Lesnar came in there and shoved Daniel Cormier. You shove off the hell out of here. It was awesome. It was a fun night. Really, really cool for Daniel Cormier. But as far as, look, people were going with this yesterday, and they're talking about the GOAT status. Who's the greatest of all time? Who's the greatest of all time? With, with Daniel Cormier. I don't think Daniel Cormier is the greatest of all time. Because I've seen him lose to the guy I think is the greatest of all time. And then you go in there and you say, well, who else is in those discussions? And they bring up George St. Pierre. I don't know if George St. Pierre was juicing or not. He comes out there very vocal and he says, oh, I want to say I am not coming back until there are strict performance enhancing. Nah, it's like, all right. I don't know if you were clean or not. That's all well and good to say. But the guy who is usually loud as chirping could be a diversion. I don't know. I don't think Mighty Mouse cheated. But let's say he didn't. We're getting on his second fight with Henry Cejudo. I mean, Mighty Mouse has the longest reign of all time. And like more than half of his fights are rematches. So that's one of the thinnest divisions forever. And he's been around forever. They somehow haven't been able to build it up either because they don't care or whatever. So argument against him. You know, that you, you can dice down all these guys. Um, I know when I, I, I know most likely, unless, unless Daniel Cormier and John Jones do end up ever fighting a third time at heavyweight and DC's able to beat him, it's going to be hard in my mind to ever dethrone Bones Jones from the top seat. And I got to tell you, a guy who doesn't get enough consideration when all this goat stuff was going down last night, and that's Conor McGregor. I find it hard to believe that Conor McGregor, who fights in the two hardest divisions in mixed martial arts, and is the only guy to hold those belts at the same time. And I got a, I, I, I got a hard time not putting him in that conversation. It's crazy to me. On top of all the other stuff that he's able to bring to the table, highest selling fighter of all time, biggest grossing pay-per-views of all time. But I mean, it's a guy who knocked out Jose Aldo, knocked out Eddie Alvarez, knocked out Chad Mendez. I mean, you know, because he lost to Nate Diaz. I mean, what are we doing here? He lost to Nate Diaz on 10 days notice and fought him at a weight class he's never fought up before. People are harsh with this bleep. And then came back and beat him. 
because he's gone away. Oh, I'm sorry. So one guy makes so much money in UFC and doesn't have to fight as frequently and doesn't have to defend his belt every three weeks like every other champion. That takes him out of the conversation. You guys remember how he got to that conversation, right? Because he went in there and he knocked mother bleepers out left and right in the first round. That's just weird to me. Anyway, we got lots to get to from last night, UFC 226. But a very, very cool night. Daniel Cormier knocking out Stipe, becoming heavyweight champion of the world, an all-time moment for him. Really fun. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. What does this all mean to you, bro? Let me tell you something. I walked into this building and watched the heavyweight disasters from the beginning. McDonald's a piece of Miocic the piece of DC, I'm coming for you. Come on. Hey, bro, get out of my octagon. I got some pictures to take. Come on, DC. <laughs> That was funny, man. That's funny. Fighters Fear rolls on here. Segment number two. Seaman's in the building. What's up, man? What up? Did you have fun last night watching that? I did. I, w- I'm, I was excited about that fight because I was hopeful that it was going to reverse what I had just experienced the 15 or 16 minutes, 17 minutes that I could not get back from my life of watching man. the uh, the Nganu fight. Didn't that feel refund-worthy? How bad that fight was. Yeah, was I like, think that UFC I, could do great PR right now by giving us all about $15 back. Yeah, I was more excited for that fight than any fight on the card. I was, I was, me I, too. I was geeked for that. And I felt like something was taken from me when it was done. I was like, no, 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 no. And, 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 um, I think it was, I think it was Cruz who kept saying, like, uh, he's saving up his he's, gas he's tank. He's saving up his gas tank. Yeah. He's like, it's going to let it all go in the third like, round. What? What? He's going to let it go in the third round. I'm really, I'm really certain about this. Yeah, like he's worried about the cardio monster that is Derek Lewis. That's going to keep it going. I, it was so, it was I, tough, man. I actually expected Miosic Cormier to be somewhat more like that fight. Yeah, more patient. I'm more patient and more, you know, I thought they would lean on each other a little bit. I thought that Miocic would try to, you know, put some extra weight on Cormier in the corner if he could because of his height. Right. And... It was the exact opposite. Well, I think that's what's tough about that fight with that matchup between Nganu and Lewis is, you know, you expect Nganu to be the aggressor. And Derek's always a counterpuncher. He always leans back and, and waits for guys to make the mistake because he's, he's not super mobile. Like, he's more mobile than he looks for his physique. But, you know, and, and, and then we learned that he had the back issues flare up again last night, which has been a, a chronic problem of his. So you have a guy who's injured who's a counterpuncher trying to win on a guy who's never getting in there. So Derek Lewis all of a sudden is becoming a switch kick master because the only thing that he can get in the range of the guy because he's never engaging in the fight. It was it was so bad. Um, did Dana come out and say anything about the fight? He ripped Nganu. He did not rip Derek Lewis. He says, because Derek Lewis, I mean, and this is why everybody... He's an opponent. Yeah. yeah. He Well, Derek Lewis is, uh, the reason everybody loves him, he's super honest and he's just like, I'm embarrassed. He says, you know, he told me at the weigh-ins that he was going to put me to sleep and I wanted to knock him out. So even with this win, and he definitely won all three rounds, 
Uh, it feels like a loss to me. I thought if I won, I would have been a, a, a win away from the, I thought I would have been uh, right in line for the title. And with this, I, he says, I probably need three fights to even get back in the talks. So that's, when a guy comes out and says that, it's hard to be mad at him. Like, he's owning it. Plus, and, I think he had his, his back was acting up. Yeah, his back was like, his back was acting up. And he's like, and they say, uh, what do they say you could do? And he goes, I say I got to lose weight. And it was like, it, it was as if you said, oh, you have to give up one of your children. Yeah. He's like, doctor says I got I to gotta lose weight. I walk around like 290. I was like, this guy's the best. I can't stay mad at him. But Dana crushed Ngannou, which is funny because Dana, Dana White, I mean, he was like full pants tent when Ngannou knocked out Overeem. This was his guy. He was ready to go. He's like, oh, this guy's the future. He called him. He's like, he's the next star. And that, it reminds you how flippant the fight game is with your promotion, with your with your promoter, because, you know, one ass kicking from Stipe and now this performance and Dana's like, Guy's got a huge ego, a lot of run-ins with us personally. Not a great guy, not a great individual. Like they they threw that they threw Ngano under the bus real fast. But well, you know what he he fought last night like a guy that was looking looking to protect his paycheck. Yeah, like don't I don't I don't care. I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna coast. And you know if, I, I'm definitely not gonna give Lewis the opportunity to knock me out. And that's how he fought. But, the, you know, the thing the thing I find weird about Francis, and this is a tough thing for a guy, you know, it's French. I don't think anybody got any comments from him last night, which kind of sucks because, you know, Stephen Miosic got knocked out last night, and he did every media obligation that was asked of him with a, with a busted-up face, and nobody talked to Francis. I can't find the quotes anywhere. Um, just you just, mean the guy that after the bell rang he walked around in the cage with his hands up? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Like, um, I'm just like, hey, can we get any thoughts of uh, what the hell? What was that? Because it's not like Derek Lewis is going in there and he's threatening the takedown. The only time he tried it yesterday was like, let's try and do something, please, please, yeah. sir. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what that is. That that was, but it was terrible. I know that. Herb Dean, don't make me make you fight. That was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> uh, when do we ever see that? When do we? Uh, the only time we see that is in a fight where two guys are usually laying on top of each other. When do you a GSP e fight? Yeah. When do you ever see Sima? Do you remember, when's the last time you Never. remember the two guys on their foot? Hey, hey, I'm gonna take points away if you guys don't start fighting. I had a listener send. He was at the fights. He sent me uh, a video from the crowds. They were doing the wave during yeah. the during the fight. That's how that's how bad that fight. Doing the wave at a wow. UFC event. Crazy. Uh, let me get your thoughts on DC. What do you think of uh, of the performance? And uh, do you think it erased or got him some more acceptance from uh, from the fight fans beating Stipe the way he did? Did it or should it? Yes. Should it, should it? yes. Did it? I mean, that will that remains to be seen. There's going to be those haters and the John Jones lovers of the world that you know will will always critique or criticize. Cormier, but I think you made perfectly valid points in the first segment that this, you know, John Jones has not really lived up to it. And every time he's done something positive, there's some, there's an asterisk yeah. next to it. There's always, there's a, always a, well, that's the a thing, footnote. That's the thing that annoys me about guys who, who ride for John Jones, because I love John Jones as a fighter. I love watching John Jones perform. But I'm also, as a fan, 
pissed at John Jones because he doesn't perform enough in the octagon. And it's not like it's not like McGregor where it's voluntary and I've gone off to these great riches. It's because he can't stop screwing up. And what's the every status time, on John Jones right now? He has a temporary he has a suspension, I believe, from the California State Athletic Commission. And also uh he has a temporary this is it. He has a temporarily suspended license from the California State Athletic Commission pending his USADA suspension. I don't know when that's coming down. Everybody around him, his management, um, Dana White, reporters have have all put this song and dance together that it looks good. It looks like he's going to come back sometime soon. And there were rumors even that he was going to be coming back for a Brock Lesnar fight. And the idea that now they said, nah, let's scratch that. We're going to go with um, with DC or the winner of DC, Stipe fighting Brock it kind of makes me think that John Jones is going to get a long suspension. I, I could understand it, but I I also think it makes perfect sense. Cormier is 39 years old. So, realistically, I mean, he's got, obviously, he showed some power last night. Could we look at him like a Dan Henderson where he can fight, you know, however long he wants? Right. Or can he compete at a high level for two or three more years? You don't know until the guy steps in the cage or in the ring. So I think that it makes sense because he beat Miocic and now has two titles for the Brock Lesnar fight to happen. I think that if Miocic wins that fight, I don't see Brock Lesnar fighting Miocic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they 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 seem to be they seem to give the impression that it was going to be either or either or. But you may be right. I mean, look, Miocic is amazing. He can't get three words out of him. So. That would be two guys who don't talk selling a fight. You know, Daniel, there's a couple of things with the with the idea. Like, obviously, John versus Brock would have been cool because you have two body types. Like, the visual of it would be spectacular. But if you're going to ask me what's a more intriguing fight, because I feel like John Jones would whoop Brock Lesnar's ass I badly. I agree. DC. They're going to engage. He should, he should beat his ass. But there's a, there's a big size discrepancy, and I don't know. Look, we saw one last night, and, and DC's been always dealing with size discrepancy, but that's always going to be a factor. Can he take him down? If Brock did get on top, they're both really good wrestlers. If Brock got on top of him, could he damage him? Now, it's Daniel Cormier. Nobody gets on top of Daniel Cormier. That's not John Jones, but it's an, I, I feel like it's a more a, a more intriguing fight almost because it's a more even fight even though I don't feel like it's that even. I feel like DC should still beat Brock fairly easily. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, that that's one of those things. Like, I think that part of the reason that they went this route is they know John's not coming back for a while. Because I think if they did, um, I do think that they would want to do that fight instead. Because I do think, I think pay-per-view-wise, it probably would do more, even if, uh, if DC is more charismatic. Um, John's just, I think, more a little bit more mainstream known, but that can't be a great sign for him or anything that's coming down the pipe. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, the ticket. Welcome back, Fighters Fury here on 790, the ticket. Tobin and Seema here with you. Uh, shout out to Anthony Pettis, by the way, getting back in the wind column. That was cool to see for him yesterday. That was impressive. I thought he was going to get beat. I did too. 
It looked it was not I, looking good for him. You can't have a lot of confidence in the way he's fought lately, but it, I thought that was an interesting strategy. They mentioned that he said, I'm not focused on wrestling so much. I'm going to focus on what made me good. And yeah, I mean, like really great submissions off Anthony Pez's back, really highlight reel and, and high level striking. That is, that's what got him to what he was. Go with what got you there. Yeah. So that was cool to see. Uh, wanted to uh, give a little time to what went down at the Hard Rock this past week. You had Whoa. hometown throwdown going down. Shout out to Harold Calderon, alumni of the show. Uh, getting a win over J.D. Martinez. Really, I got to say, very, very impressive performance from Harold. Um, he was very accurate, blistering attack to the body to J.D. Martinez. Uh, super accurate with his striking. And he looks like a guy who improves to 17-0. and uh, Calderon looks like he's ready to take a, a definite jump after watching him have that performance. Had a very, very raucous fan base. It got very, very personal between those two guys. I mean, it was, man. You got two guys from the same city who are bringing their uh, their allegiances into a building. It can get pretty hostile. Like it was, it was, it was pretty brutal, Seema, with uh, with how guys were getting. Like they were, uh, they were saying some some bad words, throwing towards uh, towards both guys, mostly towards JD Martinez. They didn't have your bleep machine either. They didn't have my bleep machine either. No, they didn't, man. Um, but that was it. Was it was nonetheless a really really good performance from those young guys. I thought that card had a hell of a show. There was a really, really, really fun fight. Um, Jesse Cruz against uh, Raul Chirino. Uh, Chirino knocked down Cruz in the first round. Cruz is, I think, he just looked a lot smaller than him, and he got knocked down almost through the ropes in the first in the first round. Came back, put him down in the second round, and really uh, mustered up a really good performance. I thought they were pretty even going into the fifth and sixth rounds, and I thought Cruz uh, took it away, and that's how the judges had it as well. And then I got to see the big Russian. Although I got to say that uh, Ivan Ditchko, that, that the, whoever he was in there with didn't look like he was in for a long night haul. No, it, and, and Ditchko, he actually said it after the fight. I think he was like, that was that was not the fight. This was not the fight. This guy come in here. First, first of all, that dude looked like he picked up his shorts at Walmart. He didn't have well, boxing trunks on. Did you see when, when he got clipped and he dropped, he like, it was the oddest thing he... He dropped to his knees, he fell to his side, and then he curled up like he was spooning. Weird. It was the old spoon move. Yeah, it was like, because I saw, I think it was a couple fights, it was a maybe the fight before. Yeah, it was Levant, it was the Levant of Arva. He actually did knock out his opponent with a body shot. He did. And so you could tell that was a legit, and then this guy goes down and he's like, curling up, it's like, what, what happened? It was like the third time he got hit in the fight. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird, so that and went he down. looked. he looked to the corner. You remember that, that movie? Back, I'd say back in the day, <laughs> where where they were like jailhouse brawling, and um, you know the warden was in charge, and the guy like gets he get he's fighting this enormous guy, and he hits him, and the guy goes down and kind of looks over and winks. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. You know, okay, I'm probably dating myself, <laughs> but that's what I felt like was happening. Like, I think what's his name? Maurice Harris kind of looked over to the corner like, okay, first round. This one? This one I go down? Yeah. He's like, right now? 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 Okay. I'm down. Like they had Down. Them. Okay, let me look real. Let me make it look real now. Well, I saw the last fight that Ditchko had, and he, like, knocked out a dude, and it looked like he tased him. That's how bad he hit him. So I didn't feel well, it. Well, don't get me wrong. Ditchko, I mean, what's he, six foot ten, six foot yeah, yeah, he's nine, six, eleven, nine, I think, yeah. something like that. And he's got, you know, good shape, good size to him. Yeah. And I'm Just sure because man. he's punching down, 
you get more force behind that. The trajectory helps. Yeah. So I'm not questioning that he that he hits hard or that he just, has we, a great punch. It was qu- just yeah. We're questioning the shot that put it out, that yeah. finished it. It, it looked a little fugazi. Yeah. Anyway, forget about it. Somebody texted in six seven nine seven four. What fight was worse, Woodley Maya or Lewis and Ganu? I gotta go Lewis and Ganu because you know I what? Too. I get why Maya fight is boring. Like, you know, Tyron Woodley's trying to not get choked out. He doesn't want to do anything dumb. Yeah, Damian Maya's a spider monkey. This is these two. You know, like Lewis came out. He had the best tw- t- uh, post on social media where he's like, "Modified rules for Lewis versus Ganu. One minute rounds." Uh, five minute breaks between rounds, points taken away for takedown attempts. Like he, you know, he had big expectations. He knew what a, he's the one who called out Ngannou. And I don't know. Like you go from this, it is it is tough to say that a guy ruins his image in just a matter of two fights. But Ngannou went from UFC Drago to a guy I don't think fans will want to see fight. You know, it's it. it I think he's exciting against guys he knows he he knows he can beat, and that's about it. But isn't you would think like he went on there with Alistair Overeem, who yeah, the Reem's not the same. I man. understand, but he, he is not horse meat Reem. If you were to say though, even if he's not horse meat Reem, he I would say at the skill level with Derek Lewis, they're pretty on par. But even if you think Derek Lewis is a, is is better, he's not way way better. And you had Fred Singanu in there in that fight throwing caution to the wind, just throwing everything at him, and then puts one of the nastiest KOs you've ever seen in your life with that uppercut. And this is just like, he did, he wanted no, it felt like he wanted no part of being in there. It was very, very strange. Very strange. His new music, Walking to the Cage, should be, I'm too sexy for my. <laughs> I'm too sexy to punch, apparently. That's that he he kind of has this this demeanor now and and obviously the quote you shared from Dana really supports that. Yeah. That he's feeling himself. Yeah, he definitely and, did. And um that's great. You can feel yourself, but I thought last night was just that was a that was a in in Brock Lesnar a debacle. I think that there's uh there's always um special cases in fighting so like if you have an opportunity to make a brock lesnar fight you got to do sometimes what's best for business and so i'm cool with dc uh, i'm i don't have a problem with brock lesnar getting a fight uh, uh to get a, a shot at the title just because you know he's been a former champion i get the story there he's his last win was a fight over mark Hunt, who i believe is still a top 10 guy so it's not the most ideal thing in the world to give him a title shot but we know that rules are bent all the time in these scenarios like hey 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 they are, man. They are. Like, you know, like Conor McGregor has jumped he jumped divisions. He fights Eddie Alvarez right away for the lightweight belt. But I do feel for a guy like Stipe in this regard. You know, he's not the most marketable guy in the world. But he's also he's also not he, he he's also not a uh, a diva about it, you know? Like he is he's just he's he's just as good a dude as it gets. And so I do feel for him in this regard. Like if this fight with Brock Lesnar Happens in January. Well, what does Stipe do from here? Does he go and fight? Does he go fight Francis Ngannou again? Probably not. Like, he's kind of cleaned out the division. So, you think he gets a rematch? He's what does got he the, do? So, so, let's go here now. Because there's nowhere to go and wait. Understood. But here's a guy that defended his heavyweight title 
for the most times ever in UFC history. Yep. Three times. So does he not? We see guys. We see guys get automatic rematches constantly. Absolutely. It happened recently with. Well, look it's ha- it's look at ne- Dillashaw. Happened next month with Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt. Right. And he knocked Garbrandt out in the first round. Happened with Rose fighting Joanna. Joanna yeah. got an automatic rematch after a first round knockout loss. So two. why does Miocic not entitled to that rematch? Because he actually set a record in title defenses yeah. for that division. So realistically, I think that he should get a rematch. Why I, not? I think he, he does. Especially because of his path to get there. And yeah. as you stated, he cleaned out the entire division. So he should get a rematch. And when he gets a rematch, maybe he won't be so sloppy. I wonder who he would fight in that regard. Because, you know, Curtis Blades is really making his way. He had a huge performance over Overeem this last time where, you know, he stopped Overeem with strikes. And you're starting to see Curtis Blades isn't just a, a dry humper. You know, he's starting to go out there and he's he's winning fights. And, and, the, and the striking is coming along for him. Um, we've seen Steve Abbey Overeem. Don't believe he's fought Derek Lewis. I may be mistaken on that. Um, you know, Mark Hunt's number six. Like, this is the thing. Mark Hunt's the sixth-ranked heavyweight in the world, so it's not Ouch. the deepest division in the world. And, yeah, if you're Stipe, do you, you know, I know he's just having a kid. Uh, does he, is is this one of those things where maybe we don't see Stipe for a year? Is he going to Conor McGregor us? I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, does... He just—I mean—he beat the—he beat the holy hell out of Francis Ngannou, so I can't see you making that fight again. Doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, and I don't know if I want to fight a Francis Ngannou, even this version of him, thinking that, well, what if he does catch me once, and then I'm the guy who lost to the guy that Dana White wants to now now bury. Um, you know, maybe a fight with him, Derek Lewis, makes sense. Like it, it, Derek Lewis is a guy who who um is is a fun fighter. And I think that would, I think for Derek's goals of getting into a title picture, that would bring a lot to it. Um, Steven mentioned Junior Dos Santos, who's fighting next week. He's beaten him twice. Once was very, very close, and he just knocked him out in the first round really recently. So I don't think he's going to do that yeah, one. I think Dos Santos is done. He's just f- the, just the, the, the brutal fights that he's been in yeah. are t- starting to accumulate. Maybe in Ganu Dos Santos. Maybe. Dos Santos fights think, next week, right? Yeah, he fights. Um, so he, if he wins. Ivanov. Yeah, he's got to win that fight. Oh, they are one on one. They split in the first one. Yeah, that was one. So Dos Santos rubber match? I don't know. Yeah. Beat, you know, I, I get that, but he beat. But the most recent one is Stipe beating the holy hell out of him and beat him on one leg. Really, was a, it, was a, it was a very dominant performance. Karate kid. But I, uh, I, I do feel for Stipe a little bit. Because that we have seen this scenario recently with Joanna and with Cody, uh, where they were champs, they lost quickly, and they got right back in there and got to fight for the title. Yep. I mean, quite frankly, Ronda too. I know Ronda took a longer break, but she lost really badly to Holly, and she got to fight for the title. It wasn't fighting Holly, but she got right in there with a title shot. So we'll see, man. We'll see. We what, shall see. We'll see what becomes of it. Any final thoughts from uh, from yesterday? I thought it was good fights overall. Looking forward to next week from some free fights. You got uh, Dos Santos or Ivanov? I think I got Ivanov. Yeah. All right. I just think that the toll toll has accumulated on Dos Santos, and I I just think that he's like Orlovsky. He's got that special little button on his chin now. (laughs) What about If you hit that button just right, 
Night, night. What about on uh, one boxing match, uh, Lucas Matisse or Manny Pacquiao? I can never go against Pacquiao, but I'm a little. I'm, a, You're I'm, I'm on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm. I'm thinking that Pacquiao is just not focused and dedicated. I'm a little worried about all the stuff that's gone around him because there were talks that this fight might not uh, come to fruition because of some financial stuff. Because uh, Pacquiao is doing this, I guess, by himself. He's not really going through top rank. Um, they only have a side deal with ESPN. To Do we have to watch it. this through the app again? Yeah, I'll send you a password. Yeah, I'm not. I am not watching the app. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bonus segment here for you guys. Wanted to get into a couple other news and notes that we weren't able to get into. Uh, obviously, the majority of the conversation today was surrounding 226 and DC's awesome performance against Brock Lesnar. Really, really cool. Um, let's see. All right, rest of the card. Two things I want to mention. Mike Perry's win over Paul Felder. Thought he looked fantastic. Thought Platinum Mike looked really, really good. Um, good for him to to start branching out and get some coaching. It does feel like a guy that dangerous needed a little bit more polish onto his game. And uh, seems like he got that. He looked very, very impressive against Paul Felder, who was a complete badass. Fought with a broken arm. And those guys put on a hell of a show. Really, really great. I was a little surprised that Dana, um, because Dana didn't give a fight of the night bonus. He gave out, he gave out four different bonuses, and I was a little surprised that didn't get fight of the night. I thought those guys put on a really, really great show. Paulo Costa, who's uh, very handsome, I'm just gonna put that out there. He TKO'd Uriah Hall in the second round. Dana White says that he thinks he's gonna be the next big thing in Brazil. Uh, I'd agree. I think that guy has a has the. Just a really impressive package that you're putting together with everything. He's just got the look. He's got the skill set. And so I think uh, I think he's right in that regard. Uh, a couple interesting things in the Connor stratosphere. He, uh, he apparently, his coach, John Cavanaugh, came out this week and he said that Connor McGregor's talks are ongoing with Khabib. Dana yesterday balked at talking about it. Dana seems very, very, and he, and he says he doesn't want to do it until the trial is cleared. You know, Dana's now gone on two episodes of Get Up on ESPN, which is like their flagship morning show. And, you know, they obviously are going to always ask him about Connor where things stand. And, and he's had the out clause of, well, we're going to wait for the law to play out. I feel like that's what they're kind of doing. Um, because I, I do think this, look, I felt like yesterday the UFC came, I, I thought all the Brock stuff, DC stuff is awesome. I'm looking forward to the fight. But it does feel a little bit like the UFC was caught with their pants down with this whole USADA thing just because, you know, they they kind of just thought that people will forget. And people didn't forget. And so I think with the Connor thing, we're going to be like, all right, well, are you going to punish him at all for the incident with the bus? Or is this just a law thing and a, and a, and a lawsuit thing? Uh, which it may be. Uh, at that point, you know, Connor will have been out for how long, but he hasn't been under this fake suspension. So I think that's just what they're waiting for. See how bad this plays out. I don't think, I don't think Connor's going to, uh, I don't think anything serious is going to happen with him. I'd be very, very surprised if it did, but it is New York. That is the one X factor with this all. And, and New York doesn't mess around, even if you are a celebrity. And in fact, a lot of the times, you know, the, the, this makes me think of the Plexico Burris thing where, you know, Bloomberg was so anti-gun and the fact that Plaxico Burst had a gun go off, even if nobody got hurt, and it was a bullet going off in his own leg, 
you know, Plaxico Burris, you know, he still had to serve jail time for it. So I don't want to rule out completely that nothing's going to happen with Connor. Uh, Max Holloway, this was big news this week. Max Holloway, he lost his fight with Brian Ortega. He had health issues. Um, there's been a couple different things. You know, they said that this was because of um, there, were, there were a couple different things. They said concussion-like symptoms, so maybe he was training hard a week out. Um, some people put it up to weight-cutting issues, but uh, Chael Sonnen came out uh, with something. He spoke to somebody in his camp and said that Max hadn't begun the weight cut yet, which it does make sense. I mean, if he's been in the ho- if he was in the hospital on Monday and the fight fell out, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday? I think it was Tuesday. Makes sense that he hadn't really begun the weight cut yet. Uh, if he was on point for it. So I don't know. That's that, it's a scary thing with Max. He's had a really tough year with injuries and, and you know, this is the guy who, who tried to save the Khabib fight when Tony Ferguson got hurt. He's an absolute badass. I love Max Holloway. And, you know, I just hope that he gets healthy. You know, Dana said he's not going to fight anytime soon. I think that's just because they don't know exactly what happened and they want to figure that, that stuff out. Uh, what else do we got here? Ronda Rousey. Oh, I wanted to mention this. Ronda Rousey got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I saw a bunch of articles. Um, I think Jonathan Snowden wrote a piece that, you know, it's a complicated past. Uh, Ariel Helwani saying it's a complicated past because she's not as embrace. She's not as embraceive of her mixed martial arts past. And look, I, I, I really don't. Uh, for me, a Hall of Fame is a high, high honor. But it's also it, it's also to recall these moments in time. And, you know, Ronda Rousey is going to go down as one of the top five most important fighters in the promotion's history. Is she not? I mean, with the superstardom she brought, with the mainstream ability that she brought to the UFC, bringing an entire gender with her to the sport, um, I got a hard time having any argument against Ronda Rousey being a Hall of Famer or waiting for her to be a Hall of Famer or even this discussion that she's not that, you know, didn't embrace the sport that much. Ronda Rousey's huge crime is that she's a sore loser, the sorest of sore losers, and she didn't want to talk to the media. I get it. The media for the fight, it, it, it's you wish everybody... If you're if you're a reporter or if you're a talk show host or if you're in the media, you wish everybody could be Daniel Cormier or Dominic Cruz after a loss or Stipe, who's not even a great soundbite, but went there after every sing after the fight, got knocked the bleep out, wiped they they wiped the floor with him. Then they had a sideshow that went down to the octagon. He still went with a busted face in and talked to every single media member that asked. You'll wish everybody was like that. But should that really determine somebody's Hall of Fame status or not? Whether or not they spoke to the media? Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva went half his career pretending he didn't speak English. And when he lost, I mean, could always play that card if he wanted to. When he got steroids, could always play that card if he didn't want to. You know, so just because Ronda Rousey didn't do interviews that should determine whether or not you think she's worthy of a hall of fame it's stupid to me it's it, it, it her run in the octagon the thrill of watching a ronda rousey fight 
was so it, it was so amazing and it shouldn't the idea that anybody has to take pause in it is dumb to me because she's a sore loser didn't want to talk to reporters and they're like well you know i think i may have a different feeling of this cuz uh i'm in radio and i don't <laughs> it's rare that radio can play the the integrity card but here here's why i think i don't take it so personally you know i'm a guy who um, I book guests on the morning show and I, you know, book guests for my talk show. <clears throat> and so, excuse me. And so I kind of know the hierarchy of media and eventually you get passed by, you know, this is a show, our little show here, fighters fury, which is, uh, which is you know, one of my favorite shows to do about out of all the ones that I do. I love doing this show. We've had the honor of having Conor McGregor on this show three times. The last one I think we had him on was before the Dustin Poirier fight. And that's because he blew the hell up. And you get left in the dust. You know, when Ronda Rousey doesn't have to do the rat race of doing the MMA podcasts and the hardcore fans where she can just go to Kimmel or Ellen or Conan, or Jimmy Fallon, or do Saturday Night Live. What is really needed of those writers anymore? And it sucks, but it's a give and take. It's a give and take. Like, we can't act like when we get those guys when they're on their rise up, or when we get those guys when they are at the peak of their powers, or when we do write about them, that it's not going to get us more hits, more ratings, more uh, more clicks, whatever it may be. I say clicks twice, more retweets, whatever. And so it is a give and take. And it's not, look, it's not the most ideal way I think most people would have gone about it because Rhonda, I feel like if she would have just swallowed her medicine and answered the questions it would have been so much easier. It doesn't feel like there should have been this bitterness. You know, I understand not wanting to talk. Like, you know, if she was legitimately injured after the Holly Holm fight because apparently her jaw was broken and, you know, had to couldn't even eat an apple, I believe is what Ramona Shelburne wrote back in the day. You know, but then in the lead-up to the Nunes fight, not wanting to talk to the media. Like, it would have been just so easy to talk and and the problem is that well then the media is going to take shots because you didn't talk to them and then she's going to say well media didn't stand by me it's like well neither is supposed to stand by uh either nobody's obligated to stand by anybody but also we probably should stand for each other a little bit more because we know that that relationship is beneficial both ways sometimes a star becomes so big that it's not needed to talk to the the core media anymore but the one thing about being a fighter is this is the fan base that's going to talk to you that's going to always care about you the most not the wwe fans not the movie fans it's going to be the fight fans the fans that are your base um and so i do think that that you should always be mindful of that but I don't, again, I don't think that it is anywhere close to a personal crime to not want to talk to the media and 
being upset about losing and not being good at handling losing. So that's my little Ronda Rousey rant, but I, I had to get that in there for this episode because I do think it's a, it's an important thing. Uh, we got to do a little bit with SEMA. I wanted to get into a little bit more of Lu- Lucas Matisse versus Manny Pacquiao before we get out of here because um, Manny Pacquiao is one of my favorite fighters of all time. I love Manny Pacquiao. And he's fighting Lucas Matisse. Dangerous, dangerous fight for him. Matisse is no walk in the park. I do feel like Manny's a lot more skilled than him, even at this age. And Manny has had very good success with brawlers like Matisse who come forward, who try and get you against the ropes. Very predictable. He throws a lot of volume. But I, I just feel like he is, even though he is dangerous, I feel like he's tailor-made for Manny. And even at this age, I feel like Pacquiao will do work against him. And, you know, Manny's had a bunch of bad breaks in the later part of his career. It bums me out that there was some financial stuff around this. The dude should have wealth upon wealth. And I wish he could get, you know, one more big fight, whether it be against Lomachenko or Terrence Crawford. Um, The Lomachenko fight, still think he has the capability of winning that fight. Terrence Crawford, I think, would be a bad day at the office for him. Um, but there are there are financial things, you know. I heard Bob Iram talk about this that you know he's still dealing with IRS ramifications, and and that's a problem. You know, I don't want I don't want to hear that with Manny Pacquiao. So hopefully something big leaps off this. I do think he's going to get the win over Lucas Matisse. Uh, I'll say by decision because you know Manny hasn't finished fights lately, and especially when you know a guy gets like Matisse feels like Manny could get that feeling like he's outclassed him in seven rounds, and then. You know, lets up on the gas. It's kind of been his M.O. Uh, did cost him against Jeff Horn, though. Uh, he got screwed in that fight. So he has to be careful. He definitely has to be careful. And finally, before we get out of here, very cool to see our guy, Shannon the Cannon Briggs, was back in the kitchen. And I like seeing him have his little his uh, his mojo back. You know, he's been uh, he's been hustling like a like uh, like crazy for his uh, for his family and working his ass off. You know, trying to get some bread because you know, look, man, nobody wants to fight a guy who's forty six and dangerous as hell. It's uh, it's hard out there. It's hard out there for 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 a guy like that. And I really hope that he gets the Tyson Fury fight. But it was cool seeing him back at Fresh Market, uh, back making the uh, the old smoothies champ back in the kitchen. So hopefully, we'll see the steps towards Shannon fighting again soon. Seems like he's gonna fight this summer, regardless. Before we're out and. Hopefully that leads to a Tyson Fury fight. That's what I really like to see because I think the way Tyson Fury looks, I think Shannon can do damage against him. I really do. And uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. Shout out again, by the way, to uh, to Harold Calderon for being um, you know so hospitable at the uh, the media days. Really, really great performance by that young man. He, I, I really think Harold is ready to take a leap. You know, That's a lot of pressure that he had going into that fight where the crowd's chanting your name. It's uh, it's a matchup that looked like it got a little personal. I'm sure there's uh, there's personal background with those guys knowing each other from you know being in the same city. I know JD said that. Oh, my brother beat your ass back in the day, um, and and Harold was so calm and collected. I mean, he looked the way I the way I would say is I felt like Harold Calderon in that fight looked like a professional. And obviously, they're all professional fighters, but I felt like he went in there to handle business. And that's what he did. He had a game plan to execute. He executed it. He, tr- he he didn't make it a personal fight. He went in there to showcase himself, 
to entertain the masses that were there to see him. I mean, that building was, again, uh, I would say 50 to 55% his fans, which is very impressive for a local show. And they were crazy for him. So that's what uh, that's what kind of uh, led to us wanting to uh, to cover him in this uh, this this latest surge in his career because we we took notice of that the last time he fought the Hard Rock, and uh, he was rightfully headlining, and was very very impressive. So very very uh, very very good job, well done. Very what am I saying? I'm stuttering here. So uh, job well done, Harold. Uh, Miami's new king, man. Forget about LeBron James. You got the King Calderon. Very, very good performance for him. And and all the guys. They put in such a great, great performance yesterday. Really, really impressive out there and, and and an entertaining card. So thank you to everybody. That was the one thing I didn't like. You know, there was, you know, some fans saying FJD, JD's a P. I don't like that, man. You know, I understand we want to be hospitable and uh we want to be we want to make a hostile fight environment for your guy and it's fighting, but you know, these guys are out there, you know, JD Martinez, Harold Calderon, they're not making the, not even that the money should make it right. But I do think, you know, that comes with the territory when it's uh you're a gazillionaire, you're going to get some nasty stuff shouted at to you. But, uh, you know, these guys are out there. They're at the, the beginnings of their careers and, and hoping to get to the top of the mountain and they're in there and they're getting some nasty stuff heaved their way. It's like, man, come on. These are two young fellas in there put it all out on the line, beating their brains in for your, for your entertainment. Nobody should be calling anybody a P word. It's just, it, it's like one of those things that should just be off limits at a, at a fight. Cause, uh, they had the balls to walk into that ring. Anyway, uh, everybody have a tremendous week. We'll be back next week. We'll recap the Pacquiao fight UFC. I don't even know where does the Dos, Dos Santos Ivana fight. I don't even know where it is quite frankly, but we'll be watching it. We'll be watching it and we'll have, uh, all the, reaction to the news and notes that happen in mixed martial arts and boxing love you guys and talk to you then we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.